so um, we're going to continue talking about um, we're going to be sticking in First Peter. We had talked about um, being steward of God, stewards of God's grace last time I spoke, and um, I didn't get to finish the rest of it. But if you look through uh, the book of Peter, all the letters that he wrote, you'll see uh, a kind of uh, coincidence. And it's not a coincidence, it's, it's what he's doing. He's writing letters and he's encouraging them. And he's saying, hey, in the first part, he's saying, hey, do this. Show how good God is. Show how his uh, character works through you. And then later in the, that letter, he writes about how suffering is happening. Because he sees and he's hearing about suffering from the letters that are being sent back to him. From the people that are ta- he's talking to. They're suffering because the, the church is being spread out. They're being cast out from, you know, w- Israel, from um, Judea. They're being thrown into other parts of the world. They're in Rome. They're, in, um, they're over in the Middle East. They're, they're up in Northern Europe. Um, and so he's writing them this letter, and he's saying, hey, be good stewards of God's grace. Steward it well. Um, take care of it. Use it wisely. Make it multiply. But then he continues to go on and, he talks about suffering and he says this he says beloved do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though some strange something strange was happening to you but rejoice in so far as you are share sharing in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad in his glory as it is revealed if you are insulted by the name of Christ you are blessed because of the spirit of glory and God rest upon you. He's like, okay, don't be surprised when something happens. And, and we're not talking, I, I want to explain this to you, is he's not just talking about um, persecution. He's talking about suffering as a whole. He's talking about when we live in this world, we are going to suffer. There is going to be suffering. Um, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is not run by God. There, there's a reason why he put us on earth was to take back this because he knew that by us being here, no matter what, we were going to suffer. There would be trials, there would be tribulations, there would be persecution, there would be suffering, sickness, and, and things like that. But he says, don't be surprised when you're. I think so many Christians are surprised. Oh, well, I'm a Christian. Why is this happening to me? We ask that question, well, God, where were you when this was going on? And he, he, he politely says to you, well, dummy, I was standing right next to you. <laughs> it, the problem is, is we, we think God just abandoned us. Like, oh, I was doing fine, and then something bad happened, and God just decided to get up and leave when this bad thing was happening, and that's why it's happening. No, God is there. He's like, he's like, I was right here when the bad things were happening as, long as, as well as the good things. But we, we instantly, oh, God just, de- uh, just decided to get up and leave me. He's abandoned me. No, he hasn't. And I think we have to adjust our thinking because in God's goodness, he cannot abandon us. What did he say? He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So in, in, our, in our human minds, we place God next to us as a human in the, in the mindset that he would have, in the, the characteristics that he would have, because how many of you guys have ever been abandoned by somebody, left by somebody, um, thrown off as trash by somebody? If you haven't raised your hand, 
You haven't lived life. You need to get out of your house a little bit. <laughs> you need to get out of your house. Make some friends. They'll get ri- you'll get rid of them or they'll get rid of you eventually. Yeah. Have you ever been let down by somebody? Okay, there you go. See, there, there, that's the sliver of it. So my question to you is this. Was God there when that happened, when you got let down by somebody? Okay, so when tragedy struck in your life, was God there? Yes, he was there. There was no difference between God not being there in the good or the bad. He's always there. And so, but he says rejoice and share in the suffering that Christ did. So when we go through persecution, when we go through abandonment, and we go through people saying, oh, well, you're this and you're that, and take it as a badge of honor because God said Christ will suffer and you will suffer like him. Christ suffered. And if you look at throughout uh, the Old Testament, it talks about his suffering. It talks about his, his death, his burial, his resurrection. It talks about how he will take on sin for us. And I think what happens is it's like, well, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't suffer. Jesus suffered for me. There, there's, a, there's a really weird mindset that says Jesus took all sin, all suffering. Yes, he did. But it doesn't mean that we won't suffer on earth. He, he took sin, he took sickness for us, but it doesn't mean that we won't feel some of that. It's not, we're not in heaven. We, we, we pretend, we want to walk around as Christians, pretend that we're in heaven. Oh, everything's good and nothing bad ever happens to Christians. Um, If nothing bad ever happened to Christians, we wouldn't have had Stephen. What did Stephen do? He proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he was stoned to death. And who stood there and watched? Paul stood there and watched and held the cloaks of the men who were stoning him. So think about this. Stephen is the first martyr that we read about in Scripture. We read about him, and what happens is he goes, Father, into my hands I commit my spirit. He, he wasn't concerned about his flesh. He's like, I'm more concerned. He goes, I know what's going to happen to me. I'm more concerned about giving myself to you, God. And so he's, he's not looking at it going, oh, you, you've smashed me. You've, you've hurt me. You've destroyed my body. He wasn't, he's like, I'm done with that. I'm going to be with God. He's like, I give myself to you now, God. But it says you are blessed if they insult you. But let no, none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or as an evildoer or as a meddler. Yeah, don't be a meddler. Meddlers. Gotta get rid of meddlers in your life. Um, yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For this is the time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will become of, excuse me, what will become, be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel. And if the righteous are scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. That's pretty, um, that's pretty intense. It reminds me a lot of Stephen. He said what? He goes, I entrust my soul to my faithful creator. He goes, I give myself to you, God. This world's done. I'm done in this world. I'm t- it's time for me to leave. He knew. And I think what happens is, is this, is he wasn't ashamed for it. 
he could have been preaching the gospel and the moment that those guys come up that group of people come up and grab him he could have said well you know i was just i was just you know giving you an excuse uh, there's this um this audio i sent to my wife and i sent to my daughter uh, earlier this week and it was when my daughter was it was it was a kind of a parody of what my daughter used to do when she was in trouble. She's go, wait, 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 I need to say something. Wait, 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 I need to say something. And it was always like, okay, uh, just, just give me a minute, give me a minute. To it was usually when she was like three or four when she knew she was going to get a little bit of a whooping. And um, she's like, I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> I was like, is my car insurance expiring? No, um, <laughs> but she would always say that, and it was just that audio. He could have been, wait, 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 you don't, I, I was just trying to be nice to this person, and, I was, and he could have excused his actions, but he stood firm in his actions, right? He didn't, he said, I'm not going to deny the gospel. He, he stood his ground and what was, what happened? He was killed for it. But he wasn't ashamed of it. He stood his ground. He wasn't ashamed of it. He didn't try to negotiate with the guys that were going to kill him. He didn't say, oh, well, you know, I was just trying to be nice to this person and I taught him about Jesus, but I can take it back. I'll go tell him I was wrong. He didn't try to circle back to it and be like, oh, well, you know, I was, I was just trying to be nice and I'll, I'll go back and, and not do that again. Just give me one more chance. No, he stood his ground and he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of who Jesus is. Hebrews 4 4, 14 through 16 says this. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy, find grace in our, help, in our time of need. I love that because it says, he knew and sympathized with us. He knew what we went through. Think about this. He was tempted. Devil brings him here. Hey, do this. Hey, do this. And you can have this and you can have this. I'll give you this. You make the bread, rocks into bread. Eat, you're hungry, you need this. And what is Jesus? He always replies with the word of God. He goes, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then the devil's like, well, here, he takes him to stop at the temple and says, hey, look at all these world, all this. You can have all this if you bow to me. And he says, what does he say? What does he say to Satan at that moment? He says, get behind me. He says, this is not going to happen. Satan was trying to, to get him to renege on his contract that he had with his father, saying, oh, well, you know, hey, if you come here, and you do this, then I have you. If you bow to me, I'll give you all this. He was giving him a minuscule part of what he was already entitled to as the Son of God. And that's what uh, what happens with believers is w we get we get into this mindset of oh this is going to be so much better. And what happens is we forget about our inheritance in the kingdom. We we take our inheritance and we're like oh this looks so good for this moment because something bad is happening we're like well i'm just going to go over here and this is going to help out because i'm str i'm struggling with this i'm going to take this but we forget about our inheritance we forget that we have a father and a shepherd that walks with us and provides for us but he says if the birds of the the field have food and shelter how much more do we have and i think what happens is we 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 start to get into these moments where something bad is starting to happen or something uncomfortable is starting to happen 
And I think what we, we equate um, uncomfortableness, uh, uncomfortableness with is suffering. Well, I'm uncomfortable in this, so this must be suffering. It's the devil. He's coming against me. I've heard so many things. Oh, the devil's attacking me this. No, devil's not attacking you. Like one time I heard, uh, bad t- the tires are bad. The devil's attacking us. No, you bought cheap tires. Just saying. If you buy $12 tires, you're not going to get very far on them. Yeah. <laughs> the devil's attacking me. No, you just bought bald tires, and your bald tires are now flat, so you now have to go buy regular tires. Um, but think about it. We, we try to equate our bad decisions and bad choices in our life for suffering. Oh, I'm just being attacked by the devil, and he's just doing— No, it's not. It's our stupid choices sometimes. It's the bad decision. It's sin in our life that causes us to suffer sometimes. And what happens is we try to blame it on somebody else. Well, it's just the, the, it's the devil. He's just, he's coming to attack me. Yes, he is, but this time he's not. Sometimes it's our own flesh. Think about this. We have free will. God doesn't say, oh, that's going to, God doesn't say, you're not going to do that. Get over here. You're not going to do that like we do with our little ones. We know that if they go next to the road, we pull them back. They don't have the understanding to do that. But God has given us the understanding to know what is right and wrong, what is going to lead us to um, a path of, down a path of destruction or a path of, of prosperity in our life. And what happens is we, we are like, well, I'm just not going to use wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives, and I'm just going to go do this. And then we're like, oh, the devil's attacking me. No, you just walked into his kingdom. You just walked down the path of, of being able to be opened up to his attack. Here's the thing. What we don't understand is when we are wi- walking with God, he, he, is wa- he is our shield. And when we go on our own path, where is that shield? That shield does not follow us when we decide to go off on our own. God's like, I am right here. I am ready to defend you, but you're off going on crazy town. So don't equate your bad choices to suffering and persecution. Yes, you might suffer for your bad choices, but it is not. Oh, the enemy's just attacking me. No, he's not. It's our own choices that bring us to those situations sometimes. But Jesus looks at us and he understands us. He sympathizes with us. He understands the suffering and the pain and the sorrows that we will go through. What, what did he do when Lazarus died? What happened? He wept. He cried. He knew the pain of someone he loved dying i don't understand that like okay jesus is there lazarus dies and then he comes back and my question is is if i was lazarus i'd be kind of mad like i'm in heaven i'm with god and you just called me back to this ball of crusty earth and now i gotta go back to this and my sister's like, I'd be like, I'm in heaven, I'm talking to Moses, I'm talking to, you know, Solomon and David, and you just knocked on the door and called me back. I mean, like, that would be really cool that I just got raised to life, but I'd be like, I was up there having a conversation with God, <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, I don't, so, I don't know, that's just my own opinion. That's my own opinion, I don't understand that, but hey. could be it could be she's just like this is so sad i have to bring him back no no i'm just kidding all right but it says let us draw 
near with confidence to the throne of grace. When we are going through trials and we're going through tribulations and we're going through suffering, when, when sickness does come on us, and that we, call, we can't always blame the enemy for sickness because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world of sickness. It is the enemy's fault that there is sickness, and also Adam and Eve, so we're going to have a conversation when we get up to heaven. and be like, thanks a lot, jerk. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't say that. But um, we can't always blame the enemy for our suffering and sickness. Sometimes sickness is brought on by our own bad decisions. Sometimes sickness is brought on by just living in a fallen world. But we have a God who understands, and we can draw near to him when we're going through those trials. We can draw near to him. We can call out on his, in his name, and he will answer. But what happens is, is what we try to justify, well, God, why'd you let this happen to me? Why'd you do this? I, I, I hear the, the most common things talking to people, um, talking to people about different things. And I was talking to these two ladies a couple years ago, and they were, I w we were at a restaurant waiting, and these two ladies, this lady had lost her husband, and then right after that, her son had died, and it was her and her, and her um, daughter-in-law. And they're like, why would a good God do that? And I was like one behind them or something like that. And they went and sat down outside. And I just said, I heard your, I heard what you were talking about. And I hope you don't mind. Can I just talk to you real quick? And I said to him, I said, God didn't do this. I said, God loves you. I said, God loves your husband. He loves your son. I said, God does not take people like that. I said, we live in a fallen world where sickness happens, disease happens, and tragedy happens. And I said, God did not do this to you. I said, God is there for you right now. I said, how can God be, I asked him, how can God be good and take people from you? And she said, I don't think that's possible. I said, yeah, God is still good. I said, just because tragedy happened doesn't change the character of God. And so when we are going through trials and we're going through struggles and we're going through loss, it says, let us come with confidence and draw near to the throne. When we're going through those struggles of, of losing someone or sickness in our life or pain in our life, it says draw near to God. Draw near to his throne. Draw near to him because he is the one that will comfort you. He is the one that will be there for you. He says you will receive mercy and you will find grace in your time of need. Anybody ever had a time of need? We've all had that. Whether it's in our our spiritual life and our physical life and our marriages and our finances, whatever it was, there's always been a time of need and we can go to him. How good is he that he can, uh, that he is so big that he can take every one of us and have that conversation with all of us if we needed to at that one moment. How big is God that he could take, if the entire world was in time of need, he could still counsel us and give us the exact same counsel, the exact same attention that we needed in our time of need. It shows you how good he is. It shows you how big he is and how powerful he is. Jesus left heaven for us, became man for us, suffered and died for us, went to hell for us, rose again for us, and placed his blood on us. He didn't do this for himself. Think about how unselfish is God that he says, during your struggle, come to my throne and you will find grace and you will find mercy and I will bless you. 
I love it when people are always like, what do you mean blessing? Anything that God gives us is a blessing. I don't care if it's physical, spiritual, whatever it is. People are like, well, blessing, you know, you're talking about money. No, I'm not talking about money. The fact that I woke up and there was air in my lungs is a blessing from the Lord every day. The problem is, is we, we want to equate blessing to, oh, well, what's in your wallet? What's in your bank account? No, it's not about that. Jesus was so unselfish that he literally was up in heaven, had a place with God, sitting with him, talking with him in perfect union with the Father, and he left that. He, he came down to earth, become man, to look like us, walk like us, Hopefully not talk like us, but um, he didn't do this for himself. He did it for us because of the will of the Father. Can you, I, I don't even know what that conversation was going to, would have been like, but it was probably like, hey, I can save all humanity through you. Okay, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it. I don't think there was a long, drawn-out conversation. Well, I don't know. Is he, is he going to be, is he going to, what, what's it going to entail? How much am I get paid for this? You know, it wasn't like a job application. It wasn't like a job interview. It was like, I can save all humanity through your blood, and I need you to go down. Okay, let's do it. But think about it. Nothing that Jesus did was for himself. Even at the end, he's in the garden. He says, if this cup can pass from me, if this, this weight can be taken off me and done another way, let it pass. But if it's not, then it's not what I want. It's what you want. I think so many times we're like, oh, God, why is this happening to me? But it's like we have to look at it in the, in the place of Jesus and say, it's not what I want. It's what you want, God. Yes, I may be going through this moment of pain, suffering, tragedy, whatever it is, but God, it's only for your glory. Everything bad that happens for, to us can be for God's glory. What, people are like, well, how does that? Because anything God allows in our life, people are like, well, God allowed that? God can't control you. God gave you free will. We live on an earth full of free will. Have we ever drove anywhere? Lots of great idiots. I almost got killed coming home a couple nights ago. Um, some dude just probably shouldn't have been driving. Don't think he could see over the steering wheel. Pulled out in front of me. I'm doing 60 miles an hour. Nope, I mean 55 miles an hour on, <laughs> on the road. And Sarah was ahead of me, and she went over, and she went past him, and he just pulled out. And I am, um, yeah, I was like, did a nice little swerve out, swerve in. I was good, but I'm like, we live in a world where we don't know what can happen the next moment. You get people who shouldn't be driving when they're way too old to be driving and can't see over the steering wheel without a booster chair, should not be driving, and I could have gone. I could have been with Jesus. But thank God, I was able to brake, swerve, and go back. But we live in a free world, and we can't argue with God about free will. Well, God, why did this happen to me? Why did they do this to me? Because they live in a free world with free, free will from God to live for him or not live for him. But we're like, well, they shouldn't do that. They're a Christian. Guess what? Christians sin. Yeah. We do stupid things. We're human. 
we get ourselves outside of the will of God for our lives sometimes, and we have to redirect ourselves back into it with his grace. Jesus' suffering was not brought on by his own fault or sin. It was placed on him by his Father. And that's hard. I think a lot of people don't want to hear that. All sin, suffering was placed on him by his Father. And that's hard for a lot of people to, to grasp sometimes because we think of God being good, and he is. But what he had to do for the sake of us, for the sake of the world, was to take all suffering, all sin, and place it on Jesus. If you're sweating drops of blood, there is some weight being placed on you. I don't think that the weight of sin and suffer, uh, suffering was placed on Jesus the moment he was nailed to the cross. I believe it, was started, to, it started in the garden. The weight of, of what was coming was being placed on him. And it was, I don't think God just instantly placed it all on him. I think God just said, it's going to be placed on you. And I think Jesus' suffering, him being beaten, him being flogged, him being uh, a crown of thorns being placed on his head was just a, a momentary suffering for the weight of sin that was being placed on him. See, we, we look at Jesus, we're like, oh, his, his physical suffering, that was minor to the sin that was being placed on him. That was minor to the, all the sins of the world being placed on him. His body was broken for us. Yes, it was. But it was the, the weight of sin that was placed on him. It was so much greater than the, the, the body being broken. But his father had to place it on him. He had to put that on him. Otherwise, it would have been like, what am I going to do now? How am I going to save the world? I have to get send my son as a sacrifice. We look at Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was going to be a sacrifice, but God provided what? He provided a ram. He provided an alternative to his son dying. And we look at that, and it was, we could look at it and say, you know what? God provided an alternative, uh, alternative <laughs> to us dying by giving us Jesus Christ, that lamb that was slain for us. If you look at the scripture and you read what God did for us in the, in the person of Jesus Christ, you can no longer say, God, why did you abandon me? God, why did you give up on me? God, why did you leave me? Why did you let this happen to me? We cannot look at God and look at the gift that he gave to us as Jesus and say, oh, God wasn't there for me. God just abandoned me during this time. That abandonment, that feeling of God not being there is all here. It is all in your mind. Because your spirit knows. You ever had a conversation, God, why did this happen? And you, you're, you're trying to argue with yourself. And your spirit's like, nope, this is what's true. And your mind's like, no, it's not, blah, blah, blah. And you have to smack the heck out of your mind and be like, stop, get under control. We need to bring our, our head into submission with our, with our spirit. Because our spirit knows that God never leaves us or forsakes us. But our head's like, oh God, he just abandoned me in my time of need. No, he didn't. Quit being so dramatic about it. But that suffering was placed on Jesus for us by his Father so we wouldn't have to. I was saying a couple weeks ago, that eternal separation from God is the scariest thing I can ever think of. It's not about the, 
pit of hell and anything like that, the fire. Everybody's like, oh, hell, but, you know, fire and brimstone. No, it's that moment that that person that is no longer able to reach out to God, and he doesn't respond. That's really, really scary. If you think about it, think about, you know, there's, I think every person on earth has that connection with God, even if they're not born again, because he created them. Their spirits were created by him. Their body was created by him. And I think what happens is, is they have that connection, but I can't imagine when they, if they don't have Jesus as their Savior and they go and they pass, what that is like to be eternally separated from God, to not have his Holy Spirit hovering around us, to not be able to reach out and just cry out to him when we need it. That is really, really scary. But in our suffering, Colossians 1, 24 says, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Paul's saying, I rejoice in my suffering. People are like, you're crazy. Paul's rejoicing in his suffering because he knows the reward it has when he is finally gone. When he is absent from the body and present with the Lord, he knows the reward it brings. He knows that suffering at a momentary time, a, a period of time, doesn't do anything for the, the extended long run of things. You know, we have an enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And a lot of times I think what happens is when we're suffering, we, we place that, ma that, that mantle on God. Why did you do this? Why did you leave me? Why did you let this sickness happen? Why did you do this? God gave us free will because he didn't want robots. Quit giving God the characteristics of the enemy. Quit placing that, that mantle on him. Quit placing that, that identity on him. That is not our God. Paul says, I'm rejoicing for your sake. And I like it, he says, in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. He's like, anything that Christ didn't go through, I'm filling up the rest of it. I'm getting whatever Christ didn't get. I'm going to get the rest of that. He goes, but it's not for, it's not anything about me. It's for his sake. It's for his body. It's for his church that I am suffering. Paul knew the, saw the end game he saw what was coming he said my suffering is momentary because it is going to build the church up it's going it, to ex make the gospel explode and it's not about me paul lived a selfish life he knew what it was like to go out and, and hunt down people and to be wealthy and to fight for what he believed I, i'm pretty sure paul got well paid to hunt down christians and kill them i don't think it was like hey do you want to do this for fun you know but he was sent by the religious leaders to hunt them down, to kill them. And so Paul is like, I know what it's like to suffer. I've watched suffering. I've caused suffering, and I have suffered.
What does James say? James says, count it joy when you meet various kinds of trials for that you know the testing of your faith, 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 faith. It's worth, it's faith. Produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He's talking about testing. He's talking about trials. But what does he say? He says in verse 5, he says, if any of you lack wisdom. I think what ha- oh, he, he's not equating, he's not changing the subject. He's like, when you're going through trials, let your faith be complete, lacking nothing. He goes, but if you're lacking wisdom. I think what happens is we go through trials and we lack wisdom when we're going through those trials and we're like, oh God, what do I do? What do I do? Well, ask God who gives generously without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. James is saying that your suffering, your momentary trials of pain are going to build completeness in you. That are going to make you more mature, more, more mature, more understanding of the suffering that Christ went through. <coughs> Excuse me. And when you go through it again, you're going to be like, this was minor compared to, or this is minor compared to what I thought it was. We make a big deal of our sufferings, and I think sometimes it's like, oh, it's a momentary uncomfortableness. And we're like, oh, I'm just suffering for the gospel. We have not seen suffering from the gospel in this country. We have not seen people suffer for the gospel in this country. We've seen people be uncomfortable for the gospel in this country. Go to a foreign country. Talk to my friend Marcy. Go with her for a couple months and see what suffering for the gospel looks like. Go to Myanmar. Go to Vietnam. Go to North Korea. Go to China. See what suffering for the gospel really looks like. But we have this light affliction and we're like, oh, I'm just suffering for the gospel. It's just, oh, Jesus, come come back now. The suffering is too much. And you're like, She's like, okay, you're funny. But James says rejoice in your trials. Rejoice that you get to go through them. That sounds really counterculture to what we, we want to do. Well, we don't, oh, I'm just going to, you know, when we go through things, we want to just hide ourselves and, not, and, and talk really quiet about them and be angry and just going through this right now it's going to be okay just waiting for God to show up he's going to do something hopefully and James is like rejoice be excited that you get to go through them because you are proving what is God's perfect will John 14 27 Jesus says this he says Peace I leave you with, my peace I give you. 
not as the world gives it to you. Let your hearts not be troubled. Never, never let them be afraid. Jesus is, is saying, don't let your hearts be troubled by what's going on. We can, we can like look at the news, if you guys actually watch the news, and really be troubled by what is going on. You can look at government leaders. You can look at the countries of the world that are going through all this trial and tribulation. You'll be like, oh my gosh, what is going on? I just oh, oh, get all worked up into a panic. And Jesus is like, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. Peace I give you, peace I leave with you. I want to leave you with this. And this is Lamentations. It says this. It says, this is Lamentations 3, 22 through 30. It says, God's loyal, God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness? It says, I'm sticking with God. He's all I've got left. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits the woman who diligently seeks it's a good thing to quietly hope quietly hope for help from god for it is a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times when life is heavy and hard to take go off by yourself enter into silence bow in prayer don't ask questions wait for the hope to appear don't run from trouble Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. What we think is bad is always something worse. But I love it. It says, enter into silence. Don't ask questions. Just bow your head in prayer. Sometimes I think we go through things and we're, we're constantly throwing up these questions to God. We don't have a conversation with God. We're just talking to God. We're just talking at him, not to him. And we're not allowing that response to come to us. When we're going through those trials and we're going through those hard times, we're just yelling at God, throwing up bombs at him, and we're just like, why are you not responding to me? He's like, if you'd shut up for five seconds, I could. If you could just be quiet for five seconds. That's why he says, enter into silence. Go off by yourself. When you're going through something, sometimes you just need to get off the beating path. Go off by yourself. Enter into silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. And wait for hope to appear. When we're going through trials, we, we want to talk to God. We always want to say something to him. But he's like, just wait for hope to appear. Just be quiet for five seconds and wait for hope to appear. You know, we always go to God about our problems and we never go to God about the good things. Or we spend five minutes of prayer about one little thing and when something good happens, we're like, thank you, God, and then we walk off. We're like, praise Jesus about the good thing and we're done. We don't ever, we spend so much time telling him about our bad day and he wants to know about our good days. We spend so much time talking about our, our failures, he wants to hear about our victories. 
We spend so many time talking about our problems. He wants to know, he w- we should spend time telling him about the resolution that he gave us and how we are happy and we rejoice in the resolution and the, the outcome that he gave us. So when life is heavy, when it's hard to take, when it, life sucks sometimes, go off by yourself, get alone with God, bow in prayer, quit asking him questions, and wait for him to show up. What happened to Elijah? Gets off in the cave. He's hiding. He's, oh, this woman's trying to kill me. Every husband's like, been like that. Oh, this woman's trying. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> every husband goes out into his workshop. They're like, that woman's trying to kill me. I need to get alone and wait for God to help me. And no, it's just kidding. Um, but Elijah gets alone and he, he's like, oh, God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you let this Jezebel woman come and attack me and and he's like did I not just show up before you decided to run away from her did I not just show up before you got scared by a few words she said and he had to he had to sit alone for a couple days and he thought and and these other things are happening around him he's like oh is that God no that's not God oh is this God no it's not God and then God shows up and he recognizes God and he says this is God. I see who God is. And that's why we have to not worry about asking him questions. Wait alone for him. Wait alone for him to show up and give you that answer. Wait alone for his Holy Spirit to come and to fill you and to comfort you and to walk through that with you. So when you're going through that, just be quiet, bow in prayer, and listen to what God has to say. Let's pray.